Thanks. So good evening, everyone, and thanks for sticking around to the bitter end. Uh, I'd like to thank the organizers again for inviting me to this really wonderful conference. Um, so I've been asked to talk about uh, what's coming next for CAR T-cells. So we've heard a little bit about some of the, the early studies, particularly with BCMA CAR T-cells in highly refractory patients. So what I'd like to do is give you a little glimpse about what's happening next and where are we going, uh, both with BCMA CAR Ts as well as some of the other uh, potential targets. Um, and I'm trying to focus on uh, studies where there's a little bit of clinical data so far. And these are my disclosures. So we've heard already about some of the early uh, CAR T-cell studies uh, using BCMA as the target. Uh, these are the four studies that have been published so far. Uh, the first three in the United States. The fourth, the LEGEND study, was conducted in China. And I think uh, these all had different uh, CAR constructs, different uh, lymphodepleting conditioning regimens. The first three were in heavily refractory patients, median seven to eight prior lines. The LEGEND study was a less heavily treated group of only three priors. But the take-home, if you look at the far right of the graph, looking at patients who received lymphodepletion at what I call optimal doses of the CAR T cells, typically more than 10 to the 8th, um, was very high response rates across the board, um, as well as in most of the studies, uh, a high proportion of deep responses. And, and as uh, Sean mentioned, really unprecedented depth of response in this refractory population uh, in myeloma. And so what this has led to now, both with some of these products as well as several others that we've heard about, are a number of BCML CAR T cells that are moving towards registration. And some have even completed their registration trials, which may lead to a product on the market as early as next year, and perhaps more than one. But there are a number of ongoing issues with BCMA-directed CAR T cells. The logistics of CAR T cells in this population in general is difficult, and in every trial there's a subset of patients who unfortunately progress during manufacturing and never get to their CAR T cells because of highly refractory disease. The toxicities, which you've heard a lot about, which we're getting better at managing, but are still make this challenging to give uh, in, outside of a specialty center. And I think the big challenge so far has been durability of response, and that's uh, one of the areas where I think we, we clearly need to focus as a field. And so if we look at the progression-free survival curves from these uh, initial four studies, you can see the NCI and the PEN study, uh, which were relatively short, uh, a little bit better in the Bluebird study, as we heard, with a median of 12 months, and then the LEGEND study in the larger experience, less heavily treated patients, uh, PFS of 15 months, and uh, we'll get some updated data at ASH this year with longer follow-up. But I think what's key is that uh, despite these impressive responses, including MRD-negative CRs, there is this continuous pattern of relapse. Um, even in patients 18 months, two years, we had a patient relapse uh, recently after three years of, of stringent complete remission. And this really is in contradistinction to what's been seen in the ALL and DLBCL experience with CART-19, where most of the relapses are occurring in the first six to nine months. But if you've made it that far, there's a plateau on the curve in most of these trials. Now, this may not be that surprising if you think about the biology of these diseases. DLBCL and ALL are cured with standard chemotherapy, while myeloma is not. So this may just reflect differences in biology. But it may also have to do with either the target we're choosing or the, the nature of the CAR product that's being derived from these heavily refractory patients. And so I think the key question for us to, to try to get at and to improve this therapy for myeloma patients is, why, is understanding why we're not getting more durable responses. And you can imagine several potential contributing factors, which may be different actually from CAR product to CAR product, or even from patient to patient with getting the same product. And so as we've heard, there are many different uh, 
car designs that are being used in all of these trials with different binding affinities and epitopes, different degrees of tonic signaling, which may lead to terminal differentiation or exhaustion, and that may lead to an impact on the persistence of the CAR T cells. So that's one area to intervene. Uh, another op another uh, potential factor, I think, are T-cell intrinsic factors, and this is something that uh, we've demonstrated at our center, both in CLL as well as in our BCMA CAR trial for myeloma patients. The quality and phenotype of the T-cells that are obtained from the patient, even before manufacturing, can have an impact in the expansion of the cells uh, in vivo as well as the initial response. And there are certain features, such as a preserved CD4-CD8 ratio, or a CD8 compartment that has more naive and stem cell memory uh, T cells that seems to predict for better uh, expansion and response. In addition, uh, uh, Kokendorfer and colleagues at the NCI have done some phenotyping post-infusion and noted that certain checkpoint molecules such as PD-1 are upregulated on the CAR cells after infusion. It's not clear if this just reflects activation or if this truly represents the acquisition of an exhausted phenotype, but again represents an area perhaps for intervention to see if you can enhance the potential uh, persistence of these cells. And then there are, of course, tumor intrinsic factors, and the tumor includes not just the myeloma cell, but the surrounding microenvironment, which we know in myeloma is full of suppressive uh, features, myeloderived suppressive cells, upregulation of checkpoint molecules. And so one thing that we've noted looking at the myeloma cells is that BCMA expression is dynamic post-CAR T cell infusion, and this has been described by other investigators as well. And particularly in patients who have a response but fail to clear the myeloma cells at day 28, the residual cells that are left tend to have much lower BCMA expression than they did at baseline. Now, this is not a permanent antigen loss. Most of these patients have upregulated BCMA back towards baseline at progression. But it does suggest that there's some immune editing or selection that's going on with low antigen expression on residual cells that may lead to perhaps some degree of escape. And then when the CAR T cells are gone, uh, the, the tumor can come back. And so this is another potential area for intervention. And so I'm going to start with the overcoming the tumor intrinsic factors and go through some of the uh, strategies that are currently being explored in the clinic to try to overcome this. I'll talk about a strategy from uh, the Seattle group about how to maintain BCMA expression, looking at alternative antigens. There are a number of preclinical studies looking at how to target the microenvironment. None of these have been translated to the clinic yet, at least for myeloma, so I won't be covering those today, but that's another uh, area uh, of research. And so one of the things we know about BCMA is that it's not just expressed on the cell surface. It's uh, cleaved by gamma secretase complex in a soluble form is able to be found circulating in the serum. And if you use a gamma secretase inhibitor, of which many are in, in clinical development, you can actually block this process and maintain BCMA expression on the myeloma cell surface. This has been demonstrated by uh, Stan Riddell and Damon Green at, C at Fred Hutch, where they showed both in myeloma cell lines and primary patient samples that using a gamma secretase inhibitor in vitro could enhance BCMA expression. This led to greater proliferation of CAR T cells targeting BCMA when they were co-cultured together. And so this has now led to a clinical trial that's underway where patients first get a gamma secretase inhibitor pre-treatment to see if BCMA expression can be upregulated. And then when the CARs are infused, they get three weeks of a gamma secretase inhibitor trying to prevent that perhaps that downregulation of BCMA and see if that maintains the CAR T cells at a higher level. And so we, we anxiously await the initial clinical results from this trial to see if this enhances some of the outcomes. We've heard a little bit already about targeting alternative antigens um, from Sham's uh, talk, and uh, so I won't belabor this point, but uh, Al Garfardal group has been interested in targeting CD19 for myeloma, and so this was our initial study that you heard about. Uh, it's just a pilot study in 10 patients who got a salvage auto followed by CART19. 
Uh, as mentioned, there were two out of 10 patients who had this remission inversion. The second remission after auto was much longer than the first, which is something we almost never see. So it seems like there may be a subset of patients who benefit from CD19 targeting, but this may not be the answer for everybody, and it's something I think we need to understand more and see if we can predict which patients uh, benefit and which ones don't. Uh, there also was this recent paper published in Lancet Hematology from a Chinese group using CD19 CARs not with auto-transplant but with BCMA CARs together for heavily relapsed refractory patients. They did see CRS and neurotoxicity, but overall the severity of these uh, toxicities did not seem greater than the use of either CAR T-cell product alone, which was important. Um, impressively, they saw 95% response rates, including 81% patients becoming MRD negative by their flow cytometry-based assay, but median follow-up was very short. 81%, however, were still progression-free, and we're looking forward to longer follow-up to see, again, if, if targeting CD19 in addition to BCMA adds anything over just BCMA alone. We've heard again about a lot of other alternative antigen targets as a way to perhaps overcome antigen escape from BCMA, and several of these are listed here. I think the early clinical results with kappa light chain, CD138, CD44V6, in small numbers, um, did not see significant responses. Um, a number of these other ones at the bottom are just entering clinical trials, and we don't have data yet. Um, the ones that I think are, are interesting are CD38 and SLAMF7. These, of course, are the targets of daratumumab and elotuzumab, respectively. Unlike BCMA, these are more widely expressed on hematopoietic cells, therefore there's a risk of more broad toxicity than just targeting the myeloma cell alone. They're also expressed on activated T cells, so there's been this difficult problem of fratricide. As the CAR T cells are generated, they upregulate these markers and may kill each other during manufacturing. Fortunately, however, there's been a number of affinity enhancements uh, that have been done preclinically to try to select a CAR that's able to bind to the CD38 or SLAMF7 on the myeloma, but generally leaves the um, normal hematopoietic cells alone. And so based on these preclinical testing, there are now a number of these products that have gone into the clinic. We're participating in the top trial, which is a CD38-directed CAR T-cell product for um, highly refractory patients. Two recent SLAMF7 CAR uh, autologous uh, products have opened at the NCI in City of Hope, and there's this interesting study, uh, again, from a Chinese group with a dual-specific CAR. The same uh, CAR construct targets both 38 and BCMA, so the same T-cell could hit potentially both. And this study is open for accrual as well. We don't have any data yet, but hopefully uh, this time next year we'll be able to get some sense of the safety and efficacy of these approaches. Now, most of the, the rest of the approaches to improve outcomes have been trying to overcome some of these T-cell intrinsic factors. And this includes alternative manufacturing, alternative vectors for delivering the car, treating patients earlier when their T cells perhaps may be more fit and less exhausted or terminally differentiated, and then this idea of allogeneic or off-the-shelf products. And so this is a study that uh, Sham showed earlier. This is the JCAR H125. This was derived from a car that was developed at Sloan Kettering by Eric Smith, now being developed by Juno. And what's interesting about this is that the uh, CD4 and CD8 cells are separated during the after apheresis, and then they are put together in a one-to-one -one ratio during manufacturing. And one of the things we noticed, both in CLL and in myeloma, is that patients who had a more preserved CD4, CD8 ratio at baseline seemed to make a better product. They had better expansion in vitro and in vivo and better responses. So this is an effort to try to force that by actually 
um, altering the manufacturing starting product and then using that final product and infusing the patient. And what I thought was impressive, as Sean mentioned, is that at doses that were relatively ineffective in our study, as well as in the Bluebird study, 50 million cells, they saw very high response rates, uh, many of which were durable, and we're waiting for a longer follow-up to see if this makes a difference long-term. Another approach is to add a PI3 kinase inhibitor during the manufacturing. This is the BB21217 product. It's really using the same car as the BB2121, but adding this PI3 kinase inhibitor, which during manufacturing tends to skew the final product to more of a central memory or stem cell memory phenotype. This may have greater proliferative capacity, more uh, slower expansion, and perhaps greater persistence, at least uh, in preclinical models. And so Nina Shaw presented some early uh, safety and efficacy data at ASH last year with this product. Only 12 patients had been enrolled at the time, uh, but 10 of those 12 had had a response, including half uh, with VGPRs or better, um, including MRD-negative CRs. And I think we're, we're waiting for longer follow-up to see if they, this truly is a more persistent CAR product than the BB2121 and if this leads perhaps to longer uh, durability of remissions. Uh, another interesting one that uh, has been mentioned before is this uh, transposon-based BCMA CAR construct um, from Poseida. So um, most of the CAR products that have been used use lentiviral or gamma retroviral vectors. These are very expensive and cumbersome. They have a limited uh, cargo capacity. The transduction efficiency is relatively low with only maybe 15 to 30 percent of the final product actually expressing the CAR. Transposons are DNA-based products. They have much larger cargo, so you can actually put multiple cars in. You can add suicide genes for safety. You can add selection genes to get a purer product. And they seem to preferentially transduce stem cell memory and central memory T cells. So again, you get this final product that perhaps has greater proliferative capacity, uh, greater capacity for memory and persistence. And one would predict that you might actually have a slower expansion based on this, that they're not all terminally differentiated effectors, and this may actually have less toxicity. And what's interesting, in the uh, initial 23-patient experience that was presented at ASH last year, there was, in fact, a slower time to peak expansion, almost a week later on average than most other CAR products. And this translated to very low toxicity rates. So only two out of 23 patients had any CRS. Both of these were low-grade, only one neurotoxicity. And in fact, we're, we're participating in this trial that the CARs are now completely administered as an outpatient, and the majority of patients never get admitted, never develop a fever. The question, of course, is, is this going to translate to similar response rates to the other products? I think so far the responses have been a little bit disappointing, but this has been at lower dose levels. The lack of toxicity has allowed us to push the dose up to now a billion or even a billion and a half CAR T cells. It's allowed for serial dosing, so there's some cohorts now open where we're giving the CARs every two weeks to try to maintain a higher level of CARs over the first four to six weeks. So we'll see if this actually translates into a greater efficacy, perhaps with less toxicity and maybe per greater persistence, and, and we're waiting for further data updates. Um, the other approach, I think, to getting better uh, T cells for your product is to treat patients earlier. Don't wait until they've had seven, eight lines of therapy, but perhaps we can use this after first line or second line of treatment. And so there's only one study that has data presented so far, though a number are exploring this, as I'll show. Um, but at ASH last year, this uh, study from the Suzhou University group in China looked at giving both CD19 and BCMA CAR T cells as consolidation of upfront uh, initial induction therapy and after a stem cell transplant for high-risk myeloma. So patients with high-risk disease um, who were responding to initial therapy got a standard melphalan autologous transplant, then two to three weeks later got CART19 followed by a, a BCMA CAR T cell product. 
and then they were monitored for response uh, afterwards. And this was a small pilot study. Only 10 patients were presented at the time. Um, all of the patients did develop CRS, but again, importantly, the toxicity with two products given after autologous transplant did not seem worse than what we typically expect with CARP BCMA alone. All of the patients responded, including six out of 10, achieving an MRD negative response at a 10 to the minus six level, very stringent MRD-like negative response. And what was interesting is the expansion was slower in the post-transplant setting, perhaps because of much less antigen being around, um, but they actually had a higher peak expansion and it was more durable in this setting. And so perhaps this is a better time to give these CAR T cells. Um, none of the patients had progressed, but the follow-up was very short, and of course, they all got high-dose melphalan as well, so it's going to take a long time to see if the durability is really greater than what you'd expect from high-dose melphalan alone in these high-risk patients, but I think important proof of concept. This is just the beginning, though, of a number of studies now moving into the less heavily pretreated space, including even upfront for high-risk patients. And so for the BB2121 construct, the KARMA2 trial is a, a multi-cohort phase two study that's currently enrolling. There is a cohort that's looking at typical relapse refractory myeloma, three prior therapies, but there are several cohorts that are looking much earlier, including two cohorts with high-risk cytogenetics or RISS3 patients who are relapsing within a year of transplant or post-initial therapy if they're not transplant candidates, so a one prior line uh, therapy. And even this interesting cohort 2C where the patients are getting it really as consolidation. They've gotten uh, a PI-imid induction, a transplant. They haven't achieved a VGPR, and they're getting the CAR T cells to see if they can induce an MRD-negative state in that setting. KARMA-3 is a phase three trial that's gonna compare BB2121 versus an MD choice of one of three triplets. This is in two to four prior lines, but will require exposure to PI imits in 38. And the, the, the BMTCTN is going to be opening two studies, hopefully early next year. These are currently in the plant, late planning stages. Again, one of them is a phase two, adding BB2121 after transplant for high-risk patients. Uh, again, trying to get a, a more durable remission and uh, a PFS endpoint. Another endpoint, another trial is a small phase two, again, for patients who have failed to achieve a VGPR after transplant and six months of maintenance, seeking to deepen responses by adding the CAR-T product. And so it'll be interesting to see the quality of those products when we're collecting the T cells much earlier on, in some cases even after just a few months of induction. At Penn, we've been uh, continuing to explore the use of uh, uh, CART-19 is a possible adjunct to BCMA, so this is our current high-risk trial. This is uh, led by Al Garfall at our center. High-risk myeloma patients, either plasma cell leukemia, revised ISS stage 3, or primary refractory to a PI-imid combo. They collect stem cells but agree to defer tr stem cell transplant for relapse, and then they're randomized to either CART-BCMA alone or CART-BCMA with CART-19. Everybody gets lenalidomide maintenance as well, testing the safety of adding lenalidomide starting as early as 30 days after CAR T cell, as long as they've recovered from toxicity. And this is a small pilot study looking at mostly scientific endpoints. And then the, uh, the Legend CAR, which is now uh, being uh, developed by Janssen, has also a small pilot study looking at earlier lines of therapy that's about to open one cohort in one to three prior lines, another cohort, again, with just one prior with early progression after transplant. So we don't have really data yet, but I think we will soon, hopefully in the next year, get a sense of whether collecting T cells earlier from these patients is going to lead perhaps to a, a, a better product by hitting fitter T cells and how that's going to impact these high-risk patients. And then I'll close, I think, with I think what I think is another very interesting area, um, this idea of off-the-shelf allogeneic CAR T cells. We heard a little bit about this in Ken Anderson's talk earlier today. 
Um, and so one of the other logistical issues is, is patients who progress during the manufacturing or they just have T cells that are too beat up to generate a good car product. And so what if you could take healthy donor cells and have an off-the-shelf product ready to go into these patients? And this actually has shown some efficacy in early pilot studies in pediatric ALL using gene editing technology to try to knock out the endogenous T cell receptor to reduce the risk of graft-first-host disease, for instance, or the endogenous MHC molecules to reduce the risk of rejection. And so this is going forward with CD19-directed CARs and a recent study presented at ASH in refractory ALL saw high response rates in those patients. The question is whether this will work in myeloma. The product that's recently entered clinical trials in myeloma is this one called ALO715. This has a BCMA-directed uh, SCFE. It uses talent to knock out the endogenous T cell receptor to reduce the risk of graft-versus-host disease. It actually has a rituximab recognition domain, a CD20 epitope, to allow you to eliminate the cells with rituxan if they develop toxicity. And it also knocks out CD52. And what this allows, then, is to give a CD52 antibody similar to CAMPATH to eliminate the patient's endogenous lymphocytes to try to prevent rejection, but the CAR T cell is protected because it lacks the target. And this had a significant preclinical activity and is moving into the clinic now. My main concern with this is, is, number one, the infectious risk when you're giving flu psi and a CD52 antibody in these heavily refractory patients. There's going to be a lot of antimicrobial prophylaxis, IVIG, and monitoring needed. And number two, how long these cells are really going to last, because you're, you're going to have minor mismatch antigens. And whether having a short-term dur durability is going to be enough to induce a durable remission, or, or is this just going to be a bridge to some other type of therapy? But I think proof of concept, this is going to be really important to see. So I'll finish up by saying that BCMA CAR T cells really have unprecedented response rates in refractory myeloma, but at least so far in that setting, most patients are relapsing. We need to really understand mechanisms of resistance, which may differ from patient to patient, and there are a number of strategies now testing some of these new, uh, trying to improve outcomes in the clinic. Um, and so stay tuned. Thanks very much.